Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. So if you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and I love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you are here. Hello and welcome. I hope you're having a wonderful day and you're looking forward to this amazing conversation, which I will be sharing with you. Today, we have Ilona Grostern on the show, and she is a Montreal-based self-attunement and somatic coach. And she will talk about how she discovered her giftedness and what inspired her to shift her career to work in the space of gifted adults. She also will share what to expect and how a session with her will actually look like. But without further ado, I don't want to say much more because she's going to share everything with us today. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is Ilana. Hi, Ilana. Welcome. Thank you so much, Nadia. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. We met at the Intergifted course and so excited to learn more about what you do and what you offer and especially also about your background and your story. Thank you for having me here. For the record, I knew about you and I knew about your podcast before we met in Intergifted. So that wasn't the first uh, first connection. You'd been showing up. You'd, I, I, you'd come onto my radar beforehand. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. And I'm really excited that when I ask you if you want to come, that you were so excited and were like happy to share your story. So do we want to start and jump right in your own giftedness discovery and story? Because every gifted person or every person working in this gifted field has a personal story. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I don't think any of us would be here and wanting to support others in their own journeys if we hadn't needed that support somewhere along the way. So I'll try and synthesize as briefly as possible. It actually, I come in from a number of angles. First of all, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that this giftedness label would apply until about two years ago. So I'm 45 now. 
Uh, I was 43 and, and on the dating scene and I was on a dating app, which I loved using the dating apps because I could scan people for intellectual compatibility just by reading what they wrote. That was the first thing I do is I would default to the text and see if it then cohered with the face that I was seeing in front of me. I didn't even realize I was doing this. And a man approached me just through the the resonance of my writing hit him so profoundly. He said, I was compelled to reach out to you. I'd like to meet you. I have some information I need to share. So at that point, he identified me as gifted. He said, did you know? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't really know what you're talking about. And he sent me a document called Gifted People and Their Problems. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's a PDF where somebody took the time to go through literature on giftedness or studies on gifted people and uh, rank the incidences of experiences. And so if you read through it as a gifted person, you'll probably notice many, many stars next to your own experiences. Wow. It's, it's really cool. It's a very neat orienting document. So will you be sharing this with us? And I can link it in the show notes so people can have a look. I guess that's open source. It's a free document. Yeah, all you have to do is do a, a search on the internet for gifted people problems and this PDF pops up. So I've sent it <laughs> okay. to a bunch of other people. It's like, it's like a handshake. Like, do you see yourself on here? Yes. Okay, let's talk more. So he became a very close friend. He had had his own realizations of giftedness and uh, twice exceptionality recently as well. So it was really neat to have him kind of as a guide. Uh, so that was when I first became awake to this aspect of myself. And I was able to kind of revise my own history and my experience of myself. I don't think it was profoundly life-changing for me in the way it was for people who, and I don't say this dismissively, but people who really suffered as a result of high intellectual giftedness. I, I would, I probably, if I ever did an IQ test, I wouldn't score extremely high, which I think is somewhat advantageous, but it did, it connected so many pieces and started, it started piecing together a number of puzzles I'd been dealing with. So fast forward, I'm just trying to sequence my own history. So that was, that was my own experience, which just, just gave a lot more depth and meaning and color to my life. Also slowly, slowly helped me to start orienting towards people and situations that were much more supportive for me and how I am started to be able to really identify what my needs were and also brought into focus my eldest daughter who's uh, almost 18 and has suffered severely from what we thought was, you know, strictly mental illness. There was no other lens. There was no other way of approaching what she was experiencing, which once it, it took me a full year of my own deep dive into giftedness to realize, oh, that's what this kid is suffering from. <laughs> I honestly am shocked that it took so long. Something clicked only in January of this year where I looked at this kid in front of me and said, asynchronous development. <laughs> and I had been advocating for this kid for her entire life. She came out so intense with so many needs, her needs and my needs conflicted, you know, it was really um, a deep dive for both of us into a very human experience and realizing that she was suffering from a lack of information about herself, not from mental illness per se, it shifted her relationship with herself, my relationship with myself, our relationship with each other. And she went and had a formal assessment, uh, not an IQ test. No, she did have, it was part of it. It was, it was a very 
broad diagnostic test that showed her as like very gifted, like 99th percentile kind of thing, but with major developmental issues that reflected exactly what we'd been experiencing of her. So it was like massive relief to figure out the pieces of the puzzle for her. Less so for me. For me, it was more interesting rather than healing. You know, it gave me a direction. It gave me an orientation. It allowed me to be much more precise about where my focus was. And in her case, it's allowing us to take into account what her needs are, explains really why she's done so poorly with peers her entire life, while she, why she gets so much recognition and validation from adults. So we could lean into her strengths, where her strengths are, and then be gentle and compassionate with the relative weaknesses. For me, it's not just my story, it's my child's story as well. And I, around not too long after I discovered my own giftedness, I decided to go back to school and get a formal coach training at a reputable university here. And through that path, I learned so much about myself because of this giftedness angle, made me realize I actually want to work with the likes of me and the likes of my child and help people connect this dot within themselves. So those are the two kind of active angles. And the third angle that was so pivotal for me was actually through Intergifted doing their assessment. Did you have an assessment done with them? Yeah, you did. And I remember listening to your story. I think you hadn't had it where I kind of left off. But what was the most astonishing bit of feedback I got because I was like, ah, I know so much about myself. What else could I learn? So to work with an assessor there who suggested to me that I should look into female autism shook the ground under my feet in a way I didn't quite understand because the resonance of it was wrong, but there was a message in there that I, after, you know, this initial shock kind of, you know, wore off, was able to attune to. And that tied in really well with my study of uh, theory of positive disintegration and overexcitabilities. Intergifted uses overexcitability slightly different from the way that Dabrowski and his theory of positive disintegration used them. I realized I had, on top of my intellectual overexcitability, I have a very strong sensorial overexcitability that actually is probably as strong as my intellectual overexcitability. So this thing that the assessor suggested was representative of female autism, low emotionality, was the biggest bit of information about myself that anybody has ever given me and allowed me to then take a deep dive into somatic coaching for the gifted and healing the the mind-body split that so many of us highly intellectual people are really suffering from. So that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> so this, I hope it all made sense. <laughs> These three elements that are like so critical make so much sense to me, but you can you can reflect back to me where the gaps are. Now, I just have a few questions on all the three points. So the first will be you being at the time 43 years old and this man out of the blue comes and pinpoints it to you and mirrors it back to you. And he's just somebody that was also just on his own journey or was he a professional in this field? No, he was somebody who had all this new information about himself and was looking for his own mirroring spaces. And he, he happened to be, at the time, it was one of the most resonant connections I'd ever experienced. Like somebody who actually existed in the world through the same channels that I did. At the time when I met him and I was, I had gone out back into the dating world kind of with a whole new approach, like, okay, I need, I need teachers. I need people to show me things. So it was like, I'd manifested a teacher. Like mentors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like 
there's things I'm not seeing. I have my understanding of how things are, but it doesn't feel like a, a complete picture of how the world is. So I need other people to reflect back experiences. So I'd, I went into this dating sphere like, men, teach me what I need to know about the world. <laughs> I haven't been able to hear you before. You've all been threats, but I'm in a different place in my life right now so I can receive you in a more open way. And then they came. The teachers came. It was a really fascinating experience. So this one, I think, so this guy and then another person, this is a whole other story and not really relevant to this one, but another deeply profounded person who also identified later on as sociopathic. Because when he came into my field, everything went dissonant within me. I was on high alert all the time, but I've also never been so mentally challenged and stimulated. There was like mental stimulation and the kind of challenge I needed with resonance and mental stimulation and the kind of challenge I needed with severe dissonance. And I was like, ah, two beautiful teaching moments. <laughs> Which one am I going to gravitate towards? Yeah. And if you're not aware and you meet these people and if you don't, as you were talking about your daughter, it's also like this lack of self-understanding really results in frustration and misunderstanding with others and misunderstanding with ourselves. And that's also this one question, like once I found out it was so emotional and important for me. And then I shared this with my parents and my mom was like, oh, why is it important? You live your life, you know, you, you're quite successful in what you do. Like, why do you need more? Why is it enough? Yeah. Like, or like, why is it important? And it is so important. It is so important because it helps us form relationship with ourselves, with others and understanding. And what I found so beautiful, as you said, like once, you know, you have the aha moment, you were able to get the support you were able to get. But then again, it's like it's the resources are there, but unless you look for it, right? nobody's going to offer it to you. Nobody, as you said, the first point, if you have pain points or stumbling blocks in your life, everything is like the DSM-5, right? It points to mental illness. It's a disease. It's pathological. Yeah. We couldn't find any information about this child. Everyone was like, well, she should be perfectly fine because she's doing so well in school. Mm. This giftedness piece is completely lacking from the mainstream. There was not one. And I, we saw tons of specialists. I was, and it was me. It was me persistently and doggedly trying to find non-medical solutions for her that led me to where I am now within myself. And this is the message I want to bring to the gifted sphere more than anything else is that there is another way about it and another way through. There's another way to frame this. You know, I haven't studied to date and I intend to any, any like the Jungian approaches, but the shadow work, I think a lot about, we see the whole world as a photographic positive, but back in the day when photography was a much more sensorial experience, we had to go through the negative to develop the positive. And all we do right now is we go straight into the positive and like discount the negative. But the negative is the other 50% of the information. So when I use positive and negative, I tend to approach this sphere of giftedness now as just binary data. What, you know, we have 50% of the data. Where's the other 50%? And because my own experience of the world is not emotionally charged and emotionally loaded, and I'm using my senses to receive the information, I can help other people move into a much more objective, value-neutral experience of themselves to figure out where the rest of the information has to come from. 
So that's already in the third part, basically, you are then shifting your own focus of how you show up in this world and how you serve others by getting trained and basically another career added. To- <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the things we're already doing. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I've taken a, a big left turn. I'm actually just, I'm closing up my business of 17 years now as we speak, and I will be focusing full time on this work. And the coaching aspect, but, you know, doing it as a career and work to earn a living is probably 25% of why I'm doing this. Because for me, I read somewhere about, I, I wouldn't label myself as a profoundly gifted person at all, but profoundly gifted people, their work is extensions of how they are in the world. You know, like the astrophysicist who feels all quantum fields in their being can think in all those dimensions, then therefore it's natural that they become a quantum mechanist or a physicist or something like that, because they're experiencing that. I am experiencing my work in my everyday. So I always experience this coaching work that I do is just an extension of how I am in the world. I want to bring others into my field so they can experience even for short periods, what it's like to feel coherent in their own beings. That's where the sensorial aspect comes in. That's why I really wanted to come onto your podcast and talk about the sensorial overexcitability and other ways gifted people can experience the world other than through their intellect. So tell us a little bit about how do I need to picture this? Because for me, this is very new and also foreign. How do I need to picture it? What, what do you do with the people? What do you do with your clients? The first thing we do, because I'm working with gifted people, so I I don't know if your clients and you are familiar with this upcoming field of somatics. No, please share. Okay, so the the word soma is oriented, if I'm not mistaken, in the Greek word. For us, we would just say the body. In in, in Western civilization, we say the mind and the body, but this Greek approach, the mind and the body are one thing, the soma. It's the mind, the body, the spirit, the everything, everything that makes up you. So somatic, any somatic experiences are really not about going through the body. It's learning to integrate the entire being. In my own, you know, my own approach is to heal the Cartesian split. No more I think, therefore I am. I think 400 years ago, we all took a very bad left turn that left us sick and disconnected. So we go back to that bifurcation point within ourselves and notice where it is. So if most gifted people value the space from the neck up, a lot will say they can't connect the sensation from the neck down or it can be very uncomfortable. There's a lot of chronic illness. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I've had a few people reflect to me whenever they tune into the body, it starts, they feel like cold and desolate in there. So I work with people to bring warmth and feeling into the soma from the neck down, start to define and map out the senses that are in there, the sensation that's in there, start to connect with the senses in the body in the present moment so that they are, it's a value neutral experience. So, oh, I have this pain in my liver. Okay, but there's no judgment around it. To get out of the habit of starting to assign value, it means this, it means that. Now let's simply notice that we can feel interoceptively that there's a pain in the liver or you know whatever it is in your leg. And just start to map out, start to create. Someone's telling me this morning to the right brain, a map of what's available in the physical realm. Once we can do that and gain some connection with awareness, we can start to create a communion between the mind and the body. So what I support people to do is to tune into the sensations that are available to them in this moment first, and then enact the cognition to create 
meaning, to assign value, to make sense, to interpret, but not the other way around. So what we've all done is our body is signaling to us all the time. We ignore those signals. All the resources go up into the mind space, immediately start to create meaning. The mind is a meaning-making machine. It's designed to create a connection between this and that. So the thing right now has some resemblance to what happened to you before. The purpose of the mind is not to evaluate that connection for truth. So right away, it'll jump to the conclusion that this is exactly the same thing that happened to me. So you go straight into your reactive pattern. But if we can help you to be present with the sensations as they arise, first, tune into that. So every time this person walks into the room, my fists clench. And notice that you're having a physical reaction because this person isn't safe, stopping there and then telling the mind to notice if that reaction is reflective of what's actually happening in this moment. We have the space to move into response instead of going default right away. So the, the, the thing that people don't understand is that the nerve impulses from the mind to the body are myelinated. So they travel at light speed, right? So you think something right away, you're like in that kind of thing. Teaching people to slow down, be present with sensations, it takes a lot more time for information to come from the body to the mind. So is that also connected with mindfulness practice? Yeah. When you said we train our brains, basically we have a tingle in the body and then the mind already analyzes and, and, and gives the answer right away. Do you think because gifted people have this higher or faster cognitive ability, they, they jump to conclusions even faster? It's not even just that they can do that. It's that that's all they've ever done. Hmm. It's no effort for the likes of you and me to enact our cognition in service of something. That's the easiest thing we could possibly do. It's like if you're a musician or you've done anything that's required you to use the dominant side of your body. So right-handed. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I'm a musician. <laughs> you can play an instrument, right? Yes, I can play an instrument. What do you play? So I played the piano and I played piccolo and I started a little bit with ukulele, but like really badly. So I'm <laughs> just saying. Okay, so in music, you have two hands. You position on the piano, you position on the piccolo, you position on the ukulele in a certain way. And you train your right hand and your left hand to do very specific things. That becomes easier and easier over time as you create this pathway, right? Imagine reversing your hands and trying to retrain. Oh, <laughs> flip your ukulele. Oh, God, no. Or the piano, if you play like, yeah, oh, God, yeah, no. Something like that, right? Like take your right hand and make it do what your left hand did and take your left hand and make it do this will create a whole new neural network within you. I you know, took my partner and I took his daughter to her fencing class yesterday and I was watching them all. They're all right-hand dominant. So I'm watching them position constantly in one direction and thinking they're developing a network, a neural network that creates a dominance on the right side of the body. The real challenge would be flip hands. <laughs> Develop the skill on the other side, you know, keep your mind supple. Yeah, try writing with your left hand if you're right-handed. <laughs> right, or anything. So try, so for gifted people, it's the equivalent. If the mind is the left and the body is the right, switch. We have to create the possibility. We have to write new programming and new patterning. So with my methodology, all I'm doing is encouraging the other side of your brain to be in the world and it will balance out whatever's dominant in you. So the answer is, it's not just that we can do it. It's all we've ever done. 
And when I have a gifted person in a session with me, they will often reflect back, I feel really stupid because I'm gifted and everything comes easily to me and I don't know this and it's really hard. I'm like, great. Excellent. Excellent. Exactly. <laughs> Learn something new. Yeah, because some stuff came so naturally to us, we also learn to hide our shortcomings in a way and we just we can compensate so easily yeah that we then if we're bad at something we don't even try hard or really try to overcome these obstacles right the perfectionism starts to pop in so that's what i'm i'm looking to do if you come and work with me i will teach you something new but i will hold the space non-judgmentally so you don't have to feel stupid about not knowing it so this is how we heal asynchronous development right we like say, okay, it's no effort for you to learn. You, you don't need to learn more necessarily. Like most people who come to me have been in therapy their entire lives. They know every single dark little corner of their psyche. Learning more through the intellect is not getting them out of the stuckness, is not getting them out of the freeze. It's in fact, it's making it harder because they're like, I should know this. I should, I should, I should. You don't. Okay. So what we need to do something different. So that's where I love coaching because coaching is about accepting where you are in this moment. You've synthesized your story. You've got all the dark recesses of your mind figured out. And now you're interested in learning a new way, getting new information about yourself that will fill in that other 50% of your being. That's the whole point of asynchronous development is that the intellect is so far ahead of every other aspect. You start to lean on it and rely on it. It starts to do all the work of all the other aspects of your being. And then you're walking around with a handicap. And I'm not saying handicap, but a, something that is getting in the way of your optimal functioning. So that's what we do. We fill in the information. We bring the entire system into communion. And then you're walking around with all your pistons firing. And you're actually maximizing your potential because your potential is not just intellectual. So what you're saying is, in one hand, quite complex, but also can be very simple. It is the simplest. That's, I think that's part of why people feel so stupid that they can't figure it out. They're like, nobody ever told me this. I should have learned it in kindergarten. You were on a path to learning it, actually. And then you went to kindergarten and then you were cut off. You went to school. You went into the system. You were told to sit still, override all your body impulses, only learn through the mind, be quiet, do what you're told. You were cut off at the neck the second you entered the system. So let's go back to that stage of your development, it's all, all the information is there. So if you have a parent listening and see, as you just say, having a kid going into school right now, and the parent can see, you know, as you said, training, sitting still and doing all the cognitive things, is there anything you would want to share with parents? Like how can they support their gifted children? or twice exceptional children outside of the classroom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a big thing for me. I actually did an interview a couple months ago on exactly this. I would say, I know we want to help our kids, but the best way to help our kids is to become whole people within ourselves and start to understand what your kid is experiencing. There's no point in telling a five-year-old who's miserable because they have to sit still all day. Like this, the rise in ADHD, for instance, we talk about these poor boys who get labeled with ADHD very young because they can't sit still because they're being told to override their body impulses. There's, I know it's not that straightforward, but this is what my angle is. The parent has to know to some extent what it feels like to be that child in that body 
and to be able to empathize with them, relate to it. I really strongly believe in the resonance of the morphic field. I don't know if you've heard of this quantum physics. It's like whatever I affect in me, however I shift my energy in me, anybody who's connected to me will feel it. So we do our healing first as parents. So we start with ourselves before we try to help our children. It's like putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. It's exactly that, because if you are desperately trying to teach somebody how to use, they don't have the skills to learn how to use it, and you're putting all your energy into teaching them something, this we do as parents. We martyr ourselves to our children's causes, and I did that with my daughter as well. It took me figuring out this gifted piece to recognize that I had to come into wholeness in myself. Once I could do that, I could be present with her, attuned to her, listen to her and hear her without being completely thrown off by her, and then I could find the help that she needed. So the system is a behemoth, right? If we, you put your kid into any school system without understanding how it impacted you to be part of it, because there's no, there's generational trauma as well that's being put onto our kids. So I really think people say to me, do, you know, do you work with kids? Do you work with teens? I was like, no, because my own experience tells me that a good 50% of what my daughter struggles with comes from my lack of integration. That was my direct experience with her. And that's what we both felt in our entire beings when I took the lead to figure myself out and solve my own problems first. Well, I love this because it shows again that there's a lot, maybe not a lot is, is over-exaggerating, but currently a lot of the gifted targeted information is in gifted education and targeted for children. And we know there is a genetic component to it. So gifted children might have gifted parents. Likely. <laughs> Likely. And if a child gets identified during their school time and the parents' reactions that I heard of that could identify with were like, oh, but that was my my experience at school. To say, you know, that's how they find out about their own giftedness, usually through their kids' assessments. Then, as you say, people start advocating or supporting their children, really focusing on their children. So I have people listening to my podcast, they have gifted children. But as you say, it's so important to start with yourself, to start understanding yourself. If you're a gifted person, if you're a twice exceptional person, understanding yourself. And that's the best way to then be able to support your children and also your own relationships with your whole surrounding. With everybody, with everyone. So if someone says to me, like, do you work with kids? I can work with your kid through you. You're the one who needs the attention and the support. The kid, is, the kid will get it when you have the resources available within yourself to really understand what the child needs because you've connected with that in yourself. I guess you have people reaching out to you because they want to work with you, but Have you also experienced resistance from people that you can see they're gifted? I'm very selective about who I share myself with and who I share my work with because I am a very intense person in and of myself and I do overwhelm people quite easily. If I, that my, <laughs> my biggest problem is when people in freeze who are in a chronic freeze state that shows up as fawning or people pleasing. That activates my overexcitability. That activates my intellectual overexcitability. And I tend to over, like, give them too much information. That's what I'm learning how to do right now because I push people away very easily with that. So what I do is I, I really wait for people to come to me because something has resonated with them about what I say. And then I ask, 
I'll, I'll be very honest with them about how I work. But mainly I want, I start to tune in now to what they need. Somebody who's very people pleasing by nature or by nurture, however it came up, those are the people who need this help more than anything else. I can recognize myself in other people. It's very easy to work with people who are out there, who have a strong outer critic, who are extroverted. People like me, we jive no problem because we get each other. What I'm really interested in are the people who are not like me, who are like my daughter, who are like my partner, who are like the people who are starting to show up in my life right now who require me to step into this gentleness that I never had access to before. I think the resistance doesn't come from the idea. As you said, it's so simple. It's really hard to say that it's, it doesn't work or it's wrong. Like it's just, it's very factual. We have a body. There's a system that it navigates the world. I can teach you how to use that. What's challenging for people is that it feels like it's a lot of work. And so people who are already in chronic survival mode, who have no more resources to go to anything other than just surviving, who have tried talk therapy, who have dysregulated nervous systems because they've been told their whole lives what to do, who have only experienced top-down and that, you know, top-down approaches and that has put their nervous system into dysregulation. Those are the ones who, for them, hearing this philosophy puts them into deeper dysregulation. So what I'm working on through conversations like this, through just I am talking to people regularly, is like, how do I approach people who have been dysregulated by this top-down approach? Because my work is foundational bottoms up, ultimately. But I'm a loud person. I'm an intense person. I'm a person. I think that's why we get along so well. <laughs> yeah, that resonates. And that's another thing you mentioned is this kind of trying to or being very extroverted and intense. And if we don't know about ourselves, I mean, I know I was intense. I know I talk too much. Like that was the feedback I got. But it was always kind of like, in a negative sense, right? It's like, you talk too much, you're too intense, like, wait your turn to talk, sit still. And it was always like, oh, I try holding back, but it's frustrating and it's tiring. And it's like, there's something wrong with me. Why can I not sit still? Why can I not fit in? Once you know about the giftedness, the intensities, the overexcitabilities, it all makes sense. You see yourself in a more positive light and self-acceptance, self-compassion. And then it's so much easier for me. I don't know if it was for you to just sit and observe and listen to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And observe your own experience of listening to somebody else. And then I have my voice inside and I don't have this urge to constantly make a comment or object or, or try to convince the other person of my views or points. I really got calmer. And I think that's what Julie Skolnick says, you know, with understanding comes calm. I think that that's so on point. It sounds to me like learning about your own giftedness brought your nervous system into regulation. So that's what you're experiencing now is you're regulated. Yeah. And so you can be present with any sensations that arise from your overexcitabilities. And I think what I loved about the Dabrowski concept of overexcitabilities seems to be it's a, just a neutral observation of strengths in certain areas. But when I asked Janet Intergifted about how she relates to them, and this makes a lot of sense to me. It's there's areas of potentiality 
that are non-intellectual and they become liabilities when we don't recognize them and integrate awareness of them. Have you identified your overexcitabilities? It's sensual and emotional and intellectual. Okay. So part of what, when you get intellectually stimulated and excited about something, what happens through the sensual overexcitability, you feel in all your senses, that whole thing, and that becomes unbearable to sit with. And that's the thing you were never taught to see it as information, that this is a resonant place for you. So your whole senses, your entire body is lighting up with recognition. And it becomes, if you're not trained in this, you're not, you're not aware of it. You're not held or taught to sit with it. It is unbearable to be intellectually excited. And then when you grow up and nobody tells you this information, you think everybody experienced the world the same way you do. So everybody else has figured it out. Just you haven't. So that's really? why it's like, why can I? And because they, they don't have that. Yeah, but you don't know. And you don't know. Exactly. So these, these conversations are so, they're so important. I remember I have one of my clients who she's like, I don't think I have a sensorial overexcitability. And as she's telling me how she can't walk like near a perfume shop because like, because her whole, like she can't go into a perfume shop because she's shut, shut down. Or when she's in a big city, how overstimulated she is. And I'm like, what do you think that is? And she's like, well, everybody's like that. <laughs> No. People love perfume shops. That's why they exist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. That's like my death sentence when my kids, I want to go into uh, Sephora. And I'm like, I'll go in there for five minutes. I'm holding my breath the entire time. After that, I am going to become unbearable to deal with. So that's your time. You have five minutes in the shop. I know what my tolerance is for this overstimulation of my smell kind of thing. So you having had this profiling of your overexcitabilities, knowing that the sensorial is dominant, having enough resources and information to be able to integrate that awareness in yourself has resulted from the sounds of it and you being able to be present with other people, listen and expand your experience of yourself and improve the quality of your life. Yes, exactly. You just brought it on point what happened with my discovery and what I learned from Jen and what I also learned through her and the assessment was basically this emotional sensory and then it's all grounded for me in the physical so I think I am already more I would say you say attuned with my body so I have this body mind connection already in a natural state where I think more gifted people as you said they're more in their headspace yeah, because and a lot of people who do have a very strong sensorial or sensual overexcitability, when they were very young, they had to reject that part of them because they were gaslit for what they were experiencing. I know I did that with my daughter a lot, the way she was experiencing anxiety. Anxiety to me is not a condition in and of itself. It's just it's symptoms. It's you know signaling to you. This kid was picked on in kind her very first experience of school, the teacher labeled her as a problem and removed her and put her, you know, because she was, she didn't want to do what she was told. And this teacher even, and this is our first kid, so we didn't know better, took us aside and said, you need to break her spirit. You need to take everything away from her. She needs to learn to listen kind of thing. So this kid from kindergarten started having such severe anxiety in her body that she would swell up. She would vomit. I always thought she was sick with something. And then until we had the next kid go through kindergarten with, who was a very different person, had a very different teacher. We we're like, oh God. We had no idea. This was actually an adverse childhood experience. Kindergarten was an adverse childhood experience 
for my child because she was punished for showing up, for wanting to learn, for needing more stimulation, for wanting more things. And it showed up in her body. And that was what I never understood about how she was in the world until this sensorial piece. Because I somehow was able to stay attuned to my physical sensations. I self-managed or I don't know what it was. I'm still trying to figure out what happened, how my childhood was that I was unaffected. But also it was like, you know, 30 years earlier, our parents didn't pay as much attention to us back then kind of thing. We were just, we figured everything out on our own where she, all the focus went into all her physical sensations. And I didn't believe her until it started showing up as like, I was like, you must be sick. You must have a virus because you're all puffy and you're vomiting. That wasn't it at all. She was so afraid to go to school. It was so unsafe to be her that it manifested as this physical thing. And over the years, as we were like, okay, it's mental illness. We have to fix how she thinks or whatever. It didn't resolve this disconnect and this major desync within herself. So it drove more deeply into body symptoms, you know, and it started manifesting because that's what happens. The body will signal very early on. We ignore, we ignore, we ignore, we repress, and then it starts to turn up the heat. So that's why chronic illness is such a problem for highly gifted people. There's a lot of highly gifted people walking around with all manner of illness because it has never been safe for them to be present with the sensation in the body and the body just increases the intensity of the signaling until you pay attention. And so I feel like my responsibility in the world of giftedness is to fill in that blank, safely bring people into the present experience, very slowly and gently begin to attune them to a sensation that's available to them in the moment without needing to assign value to be able to start to tolerate it as time goes by, increase the window of tolerance so they can then start trusting what the body is telling them about what's happening for them in that moment. Wow. <laughs> I've learned so much. Thank you so much for sharing. Where can people find you if they want to work with you? Because I think there's lots of people that want to come and work with you now. Thank you. I would love to even just have conversations to listen. Getting in touch with me is not a commitment to work with me, but you know, even just sometimes in the initial conversation, we can open the pathway for you know, more self-awareness and more understanding. So they can find me at my website, which you are going to link in the show notes. But I will spell it out for those who can receive like me, which Ilana Grostern, I-L-A-N-A-G-R-O-S-T-E-R-N.com. I'm the only Alana Grosten in the world. So if you do a search, I will show up. You'll find my personal Facebook page. My business page is Alana Grosten Coaching. I'm Alana Grosten on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. But get in touch with me however feels comfortable for you just to have that initial connection. I set up as a 30-minute Zoom call, which is totally free, like an exploration call. Because I do the way I work. I like to see the person and feel the person. I work through my own body to give me more information than my intellect can ever give me. So I can get some information from text, but if a person is not embodied and they're texting me, the information that's going to come through is very different than what I'll receive if I can see you and hear you. So it's not to judge or anything like that. It's just you do me a favor. I get more information on you if I can see you and hear you. And the beauty of the time that we're living in is that you can be anywhere in the world and I can still get that information, which is lovely. Thanks to Zoom. Thanks to Zoom. The only thing we haven't figured out yet is the time zone differences, but I think we will get there. <laughs> we work around. We work around. We work around. I also like, you know, I can make availability on weekends. And I actually, I, I have large parts of my day 
like this is what I do now. So if it's two o'clock in the afternoon there and it's eight o'clock in the morning here, we can totally work that out. Is there anything else you would like to share? Something you wish people knew about this topic or something you wish you knew earlier? I wish I had had this information, not so much for myself. I think I'm okay. I found my way through even without the giftedness piece. But people who have gotten caught up in the pathology of their way of being, if that makes sense to them, if it resonates with them, I'm not, I'm not here to suggest that things need to be any other way for them. But if there is something missing, if the label doesn't entirely fit, come talk to me. Let's see if there's another way we can angle this, another approach that takes into account all aspects of your being and not just your cognition or your mental capacities. You know, even just in a, in a short conversation, as I said, I might be able to give you a 0.5 degree shift on how you see yourself that will bring you into a compassionate space that may, you know, just give you access to more parts of yourself and more of your potential. Yeah. Thank you so much. It has been so inspiring talking with you. And I really loved hearing all of this. And I'm sure somebody had to hear it from you. And thank you so much for being here with me today. And thank you for everything that you're doing and the voices that you're giving to the rest of us, Nadia, and your own voice. It's, been, it's such a pleasure to listen to as well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and you got a few helpful takeaways. If my podcast inspires or helps you in any way, please subscribe, like, and leave a written review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps the algorithm show it to more people who might need to hear this content. And if you have a friend who is gifted or twice exceptional, or you suspect they might be, please be bold and share an episode with them. They might really appreciate it. And if you would like to access the full show notes, you can find them at unleashmonday.com. You will also be able to join the newsletter list. Don't worry, I won't spam you, but I'll update you on events or news happening around Unleash Monday. So I'm wishing you a wonderful day and I see you in two weeks. Bye.